Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Tim, welcome to WBAP. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I've got a, a house that's 30 years old and I got that old type of siding that's not the fiber cement. And it's, I think I heard you talk on a show a few months ago about this, where it's starting to decay on the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yep. You got the old masonite stuff? Yeah, I got, yeah, it's kind of like a hard-pressed wood or something. Yep, yep. And my question is, um, I really can't afford new siding. Um, I heard you mention that you can possibly have a uh, temporary fix to buy you some time, like five, six, seven years, yeah. if you put some trim on the bottom. Yep. Do you need to remove the the bottom of the siding where it's bad, or do you just p- put the trim right over it? It will buy you more time if you'll remove the rotten part. Okay. Because if right. you leave it there, that it, it, it's like cancer. It'll just continue to grow and spread. So right. By, so you by need... cutting it out, you can kill it. I got you. So then it'd be best then to make it all uniform to, to do it uh, on the sides that uh, needs to be done. Then that way to be uniform looking with the trim. Well, the, you... what I typically there's two ways of doing it. One is to cut the the board and then butt your trim up to the cut. I don't really like that because you can have leakage. Uh, uh-huh. You know what I typically like to do is cut out my rotten pieces and put in a material just as a spacer. You know, just cut some boards to stick in there as spacers and then put my new piece of trim across the bottom, caulk it in real good so everything is sealed up. Uh, and, and that tends to get you a lot longer out of it. So you need to have some spacers put in before you put the trim on. Yeah, just any place where you cut out the rotten wood. Right. Have a sheet of plywood there to cut little pieces off just to nail in as a spacer. I called DFW Improved because you recommended them on WBAP and on THI Pro website. I had them come to my house to give me a bid on remodeling my laundry room. Their bid was almost double the other bids I received, and the bid only had one total price and didn't break out costs by line item. You should stop recommending them and take them off your website. I can forward you their bid as proof if you like. Well, Dana, I have to tell you, you're not comparing apples to apples. Because you didn't mention, do they carry insurance? Are they using all subcontractors? What all are they doing? I mean, did you give both contractors a set of plans and say, bid off these set of plans? What is the workmanship like? How long has the other company been in business? And... Will they be there to back their warranties later? These are the things that cost money for companies to do. And, and as far as giving you uh, just a, a single number, i got to be honest, that's how I bid as well. I don't break it out line item by line item, and, and I can tell you exactly why I don't and why a lot of contractors don't. I don't want to have to deal with homeowners saying, okay, I want to do this part of the job, but not this part, because so-and-so will do that for less. So I'm going to bring them in. That starts muddying up the waters. You want a contractor who's going to come in and turnkey the job for you. Take care of everything. 
Uh, I know DFW improved. They're going to make sure all the proper permits are pulled. They're going to have licensed plumbers. We're dealing with a laundry room that has plumbing and electricity, and their plumbers will be licensed. Their electricians will be licensed. I cannot tell you how many contractors will bootleg that kind of stuff. And you know what happens? The price plummets. Now, if that bootlegger did the project wrong and say the electric shorts out and causes a fire who's in trouble you've got to look at the entire picture when you, you know, when you start bidding stuff you got to remember you're not buying a laundry room you're buying a service and the quality of the work being done by the contractor that's what you're purchasing and can you take a risk on somebody else and, and get a good job? Absolutely. I would never tell you that all, all other contractors are bad. But I will tell you, when you start dealing with these really low-priced contractors, you will get burned almost every time because their quality is not the same standard as a company like DFW Improved. I mean, that's just, that's just my opinion. And, and I go out and I see a lot of different projects. And, and honestly, I'm a contractor myself. And I am not the cheapest contractor at the things I do. Because I can't be both the cheapest and the best at what I do. And that's what you have to consider when you're hiring a contractor. It's not like a car rolling off the assembly line. They are actually assembling everything in your home and doing the finished product there. And so that's what you have to look at. Anyway, Dana, I, I hope that helps you out. Armando, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing today? That was quite an introduction. I like that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I got a question. Yeah. Do you know what? You know, I, I got to tell you a quick story. I used to have a guy that worked for me named Armando. Uh, worked for me for probably 15 years. And uh, every morning he'd come and come to work, and it was always the same thing. My name is Armando, and I'm ready to work. A lot oh, well, that guy was great. He made himself notice that he was at work. He was smart. He was. Um, I got a question for you. I was uh, I was thinking of, I wanted to pick your brain about pros and cons, because I was thinking about building a pole barn with six-by-six six, uh, timbers going about three foot down, four foot down in the ground with sleeves on it and doing a, flo a floating floor concrete inside. Well, what do you think about that idea? It, it's not new. It's it's uh, done on a semi-regular basis for barns and things like that. Yes, sir. Uh, not on living space, though. Not on living space. Uh, spaces. That's what I was going to use it for. Yeah. Here, here's the issue you can you you'll run into if you do living space on it. Um, as the floor, as the concrete moves up and down. Yes, sir. Your seal around the perimeter is going to break. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, you, you know, your baseboards and, and all that stuff are going to tear up the walls. Now, you, oh. you, you can make it where there's a slip there and, and all that, but as, as the, the products move, you know, as the concrete moves up and down with moisture changes and the, the, the wall pretty much stays put, you're, you're going to start getting air drafts coming in and things like that. Huh. Yeah, see that is see that's why I was asking you because I kind of figured you would have thought about it, uh, know about it. So it'd be better off with the whole complete slab and just basically like a like a normal house or uh, build a uh, a steel building 
and then just come off of that. Yeah, you know the, the I, I love the steel buildings, but uh, you can do it with with wood if you want to do a pole barn type construction yes, and, and still have a slab. It's it can be done and, and look gorgeous, especially if you want to have those exposed beams in there. That, that's what I kind of was thinking on that, and then you know I was kind of one of my buddies did it that way with a floating floor, but it hasn't been long enough. You know he put a tons and tons of a uh, select field in there so it wouldn't move back and forth but i don't know yeah what 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 are the soils that you're going to be building this on oh i sit there and i brought in about uh about 200 tons of uh of clay and then i put some select on it then i'm gonna bring some uh some base uh you know crushings from uh it's a three-quarter milling yep or three-quarter uh base down on there to make sure that it's not able to move back and forth but i don't know about the slab it, it will still move. It will still move? Yeah. Yeah, even if you put uh, runners in there? Oh, yes. I mean, that, I make a good living doing foundation repair, and, and they all and have beams and stuff in them. So I, I, yeah. if if I was going to do it, okay. I would I would pour a conventional slab. Okay. And I would put anchors in the slab to mount my beams on, my poles rather, yes. on. Yes, sir. And then... And put my poles on top of the slab. That way, everything moves as a unit. Okay. See, that's that's. I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to throw some money out. Then all of a sudden, I'm kicking myself because I, I made the the right instead of the left. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, uh, well, I appreciate your knowledge and everything like that, and I appreciate your show. Thank you, Armando. You have a great and, weekend. And when I do the AC, I know I wasn't gonna go try to go cheap on that. I was gonna get a uh, Avenir out there because uh, you know that's right there's big business with that AC. Oh so. man, let me tell you that that too often people go cheap on that, and they pay for you know 20 years because they went cheap on the AC. And that's what I was thinking about the slab because the slab's gonna run 26, 26,000. I don't know whether that's high or low. But I've seen people have to go in there, and then now you're lifting it back up with what ten, fifteen thousand for uh, for repairs on it. So absolutely. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate your time, and thank you. Appreciate your show. You bet. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye, bye. Elaine in Colleyville. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. My husband and I are looking at a small house out of Lake Texoma just to have for a weekend property. But the house only has one bathroom, and we were. But it does have a utility room, and it looks like there would be room to to put in a sink and a toilet in there. Okay. And we were wondering how difficult that is to do. It is a slab foundation, and also what kind of cost that might uh, run into for us. Does it by chance back up to the one bathroom you have? Um, it does not. Okay. What you have to look at then is a toilet requires a minimum of three, if not a four-inch line. I mean, you can go either way, three or four-inch line. Everything else only requires a two-inch. And so if if you don't have the main line running near where you're looking at putting that bathroom, you, you won't have a, a hookup for the toilet itself, for the drain for the toilet. Okay. So is it by chance on an outside wall? It is on an outside wall. Okay. Uh, what what I would recommend then is let, let's look at where the main line exits, whether whether it's going to city sewer or, or to a septic tank. And, It'll be septic. Okay. 
Do you know where the septic is compared to that? You know, we don't, but we can find that out. Yeah, if, 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 you know, if it happens to be on the same side of the house, it'd be a slam dunk, easy to do. You just run the pipe out from, uh, you know, outside and tie it into the trunk line and you're done. Uh, If it's not, you may not be able to even do it. I shouldn't say you couldn't do it. You would, you would end up possibly putting in a uh, catch tank with what's called a, a sewage pump that chews everything up and pumps it over to where the septic tank is. So oh, it, okay. it can be done, but that that adds $2,500 to the to the job. Uh, okay. As far as cost of putting in a bathroom like that, you know, just a simple toilet and uh, sink. Obviously, the hookup for the drain lines is going to be the expensive part. You've already got water in the room, so that's not going to be expensive to do. Mm-hmm. You will probably spend, give or take, in the neighborhood of $6,000. 6000 Okay. And, and that, then $2,500 if we had to do the other. Yeah, and that's so for just a simple bathroom. Anything fancy you start doing adds to the cost. Sure. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. You take care, Elaine. All right. Bye-bye. And, and again, that's taking an existing room and just adding a toilet and a vanity to it. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I got bids to redo my bathroom, and it was a lot more than that. Redoing a bathroom actually costs more than just putting one in because you got to tear out all the old stuff first. So, you know, you get you got to look at what all work has to be done in order to do a project. Gary, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, Jim. Hello. My my question uh, concerns uh, recessed lighting. I have an older house where about 15 years ago I installed about 20 uh, candlelight fixtures, and these are non-insulation contact fixtures where they came with incandescent bulbs. Right. And since then, I've retrofitted with LED bulbs and, of course, a lot less heat generated. Yes. So here's my question. Those current can lights, they're just holes directly up into the ceiling, and the heating and air conditioning goes right up into the attic. Is there something that I can cover those with as a retrofit, like a styrofoam cover or something like that? Yes, there is. They actually make for insulating purposes a uh, cover that can go over those and it keeps the insulation off of them right and so yeah and and that'll help insulate it and you're not going to find it at the box stores it's something you're going to probably have to order uh if you go to a regular lighting supply store they would be able to order what you need really okay okay is there a specific name for those or something there probably is, but I don't remember what it is. Okay, but the reason for my call is I just don't want it to be a fire hazard. So I want something yeah. manufactured by someone reputable. Yep. Yeah, so, that, okay. and, and, you know, the nice thing about using the, the manufactured ones, even if you sell a house and somebody else goes back to, say, a, a regular incandescent bulb, which I don't see happening, but if it happened, uh, uh-huh. those, those store-bought covers still protect the home. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You have a good afternoon. You too, Gary. Take care. Diane, welcome to WBAP. Hello. Hello. 
Um, well, my son is looking for his first time home, and uh, he was looking in the Weatherford area, and unfortunately, in his price range, is only about a $75,000 house. And what we found is that they are built in 1957, <laughs> um, and most of them, the kitchen is from 1957. Um, other than getting a home inspection, and one thing I noticed was that one had just window units and the other one had central air installed. Okay. Is there anything else that you could recommend him maybe, maybe that he should stay away from? Yeah, he, he's going to want to have the sewer system checked. Uh, 1957 homes were all plumbed with cast iron sewer systems. Okay. And those drain pipes are going bad left and right and having to be replaced with PVC. And that can run you anywhere from, uh, 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 on a real little house, $8,000 to oh, wow. sky's the limit. A lot of them are in the... 15 to 20,000 range. Good grief. So have, definitely have the drain system checked. Okay. And um, would that be something that an inspector would pick up? No. Wow. Okay. That, that most inspectors don't, don't do a static test on the drain system to check for leaks. Now, if the system's already been replaced with PVC, your, your expenses would go way down on that. But... Uh, a plumber can come out and do what's called a static test. It'll run you about $350, but it tells you if the system is holding or not. Okay. Okay, awesome. That's the number one thing, huh? That's, I mean, I'm telling you, that's an ex Now, personally, okay. you know, you, you can look at homes that have central air and heat versus the window units. And, you know, to put in central air and heat in a house that doesn't have it, He's probably looking at houses that are like twelve to fifteen hundred square feet, right? Right, right. You're probably in the neighborhood of seven to ten thousand dollars to install a brand new, good, high efficient system, ductwork and everything, in a small home like that. Right. Uh, but you know, if somebody's already gone in and installed a system, but they put in a real cheap one, you know, you're still going to end up having probably 6,000 into changing it out later. So I probably wouldn't steer clear of the ones that have sent uh, window units because it, that's something that can easily be done later. If okay. The, if the sanitary lines are leaking, though, that can cause immediate problems. Okay. Awesome. I will let him know. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. And tell him good luck with that new house. Yes, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Anthony, how are you? Yeah, just fine. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, Jim, I got this house I bought uh, back in June. It's a, it was built in 60, and the garage floor was painted. But uh, now it's, it's, I got this white substance come through the garage floor along the curb, close by the edge. It, it stands up by the three-eighths of an inch. If I put well, soapy water on it, it dissolves, but it come back, you know, in a few days. Yeah. Would that be a type of mold or something? It's called effervescence, and basically it's a chemical reaction. Moisture is coming up through your concrete, uh -huh. and it's getting into the Portland's and, and some dust that was on the rock probably in the uh, concrete mix, 
and they when they mix they make that effervescence that comes up through the top you you can you don't you don't even have to put water on it you can literally sweep it away and it does grow back they do make some sealers that you can put on it if you want to go to a website called Deitch coatings d a i c h coatings.com they have a product that you can put on the concrete to seal it from that coming up okay is there no harm to you is no. no harm to you nope no harm okay i sure thank you Jim. you bet you take care oh you too bye bye John, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yeah, well, I was wondering what your recommendations and advice are when you start looking for replacement windows for your home. Well, I've got a company that I've used for years. It's America's Choice Windows. And actually, I'm going to meet up with one of their installation crews tomorrow uh, to, to do some filming on one of their projects on exactly you know, how replacement windows are installed and you know what to look for on them but realistically the glass is is pretty much governed by the government now uh they they upped the standards about five years ago on the minimum requirements so everybody had to up their their windows their glass to meet the new standards what you what you're really looking at is what's the aesthetics that you want as far as the um window frame going around i personally have vinyl replacement windows in my home and i know a lot of people ask about you know the the fiberglass and the synthetics and all that stuff and and you hear how much stronger those are well it doesn't matter the two by force framework of the house is where what you need the strength in the window frame just attaches to it and holds a piece of glass it, it's, it's not like it's holding anything structural so for energy efficiency cost savings uh, and all that the vinyl is still the best thing going the glass itself is virtually the same on all the companies where the difference can come in though is the gap between the gas glass panels uh, America's Choice Windows has a full 7 8 inch gap that dead air space makes it more energy efficient and helps tremendously with the sound from outside the other thing to remember like if you get builder's grade windows, for instance, there's only a quarter inch gap there. That's not a whole lot. The sound just vibrates right through. Uh, heat can still penetrate. So even though the glass itself is the same, that thickness does make a difference. The, that dead airspace thickness uh, can make a difference. I want to take a few minutes to talk with uh, Brock from DFW Radiant Barrier and Insulation. Uh, and Brock, welcome back to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you, Jim. How are you doing this weekend? Man, I'm I'm doing wonderful. Been down to the rodeo yesterday and uh, went to church and had breakfast with uh, my wife's sister and her husband uh, this morning. And now I get to sit here and talk with great people. Can't, you that can't, does sound you like a pretty decent weekend. Yeah. But, you know, in the wintertime, like last week, for instance, with uh, all the, the freezing and the, the sleets and different things throughout the state, you can really tell the house that's properly insulated and has a radiant barrier because when you look at the roof it, it it's all full of white when you look at a, a roof that that nothing is sticking to it and you know it's, it's not icing up or anything you know they're losing a massive amount of heat uh they, they sure are a lot of people don't know that uh, listen your house is pressurized uh, that's why if you've ever opened a door in your house and another door closes your attic is not 
your attic is ventilated, so it's constantly drawing air from your living space into the attic, uh, which is attributing to what you're talking about right there. It's warm enough up there where it's uh, the frost and the ice is not able to really attach itself to the roof. So our job is to keep that heat in. Let's try to trap as much of that heat in the living space as we possibly can in the winter. It'll help your uh, heater cut down and run about half the time it normally would. Well, you know, if if our moms only knew when they used to yell at us, close the door, you're heating the great outdoors, if they only knew how much <laughs> they were losing through the attic, they would have not complained about the door being open a little bit. I would have to agree with you. It wouldn't have been such of a, a, a deal if they knew how much you're actually losing through the attic space. Now, l- let's, let's shift gears here for a sec. I've been getting a lot of emails from people where they're wanting to either take out the old insulation and put new insulation in or go over it. And I guess the first question I have for you, because you and I have never actually talked about this, uh, I know you guys can put new insulation in, but in those rare cases where they do have a a valid reason to take the old insulation out, do you guys do that? Uh, we can. It's a, it's a big oversized vacuum, I guess is the best way to explain to people in layman's terms. There is a specific type of insulation that we recommend uh, be pulled out, especially if it is a asbestos type of insulation that's been there for 20, 30 years. It's always best to get that out of there so it doesn't find its way into your HVAC vents and then blow out into your living room. Yeah. Uh, in most cases, if the house was built or uh, has been insulated any time between uh, 1990 and now, uh, the majority of the time we can actually just come in and blow in uh, more insulation over the existing insulation you have in the attic. Now, you threw out the A word, asbestos. Right. So what type of insulation are we talking about that that possibly is in it? Some of the uh, older material that obviously they haven't, uh, they haven't made in, in a long time now, and I don't necessarily know if I want to throw out any of the manufacturers that used to make that material, uh, but my guys are trained uh, to spot that type of stuff, make sure to inform the homeowner of what's up there, give them a few options of of what uh, might be needed to help correct that problem and hopefully move forward to a a brighter future. Well, typically what I'm getting calls about is either old cellulose or rock wall that is starting to turn to dust just because it's gotten so old. Sure, Uh, sure. Is one of those products necessarily one that could have asbestos in it? Depending on the brand, uh, some of the older rock wall and again, I don't know if I want to throw any manufacturers under the bus on the radio or anything, but there are. A I few do it all the time. Ma- it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, without going into great detail, some of the older ones, Corning stuff, uh, was was in the same same position. Um, but that, uh, luckily, uh, we're in a position now with the equipment that we carry and what uh, we're able to offer to our homeowners. We're going to make sure that you're. Uh, not only your attic, but your utility bill is in a much better position before we leave. Yeah. Um, our job is to educate the homeowner, explain to them what's in the attic, what we feel would be the best, uh, sometimes even the cheapest option to help correct their problem. Uh, and we let the homeowners decide how they want to move forward. Pam, welcome to Texas Home yeah. Improvement. How can I help you? Hi there, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm trying to redo a powder room uh, very cost-effectively because I wasn't intending to do it. So uh, the real main um, impetus for doing this is the floor, um, which was particle board, 
was recently ruined uh, by wow. uh, some a leak, and um, so the toilet in there is old. Um, the sink has a crack in it, and it's sitting on a, uh, like a, 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 a vanity, a wood vanity. So I, I guess the sink itself could be replaced and the vanity kept. Um, I, I don't know that the toilet necessarily has to be removed. It, it's still working fine, but it is older, and I might want to replace it. So my question is, oh, and last thing, this is uh, a ground floor on a slab. So this okay. particle board that's ruined is underneath it. It's just a slab of the house. So my my question is, what order do I do those things in? Do I replace the toilet and the sink first and then do the floor or other way around or what well, way? I, I guess my first question is, if this is a concrete slab, why do they even have particle board down on the floor in the bathroom? There used to be um, wall-to-wall carpeting in there, if you can believe okay. it. Um, not not just, you know, bath rugs that hey, you can we remove. All, we but... all had it back in the 70s. Yes, right. Well, that's when this house was built. Well, 67 is when it was built. It's 50 yeah. years old. So <laughs> um, so that that's my uh, thought. And also, for, for some reason, well, there's wainscoting around most of the room, um, except where the vanity is. And behind the toilet, there is, uh, like, bathroom tile. I'm okay. not sure why, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure what to do with. They had little what, boys that would miss, and so they wanted something easy to clean. That's no. I, I guess <laughs> uh, we've also had, you know, when pets were sick or whatever, that was kind of where they hung out. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, and it, coming out anyway, of the bathroom, how is the uh, elevation uh, onto the into the hallway or, or into the other it, bedroom? It goes into the laundry room. It's it's just the powder room off. So there's the kitchen and the laundry room and the powder room. And the powder room actually kind of inserts into the garage. It's right in front of the water heater. And are, are all the are all the floors the same elevation, or did you step up a little into that bathroom? Uh, they're all the same elevation. The garage is the one that you step down into. Okay. Well, then then your order of business is going to be remove the the. Vanity, remove the toilet, take off the wood floor that's, you know, the uh, particle board that's bad, put the new stuff yep. in, and then you can put your toilet and vanity back in. I, okay. what, what are you going to put down for flooring on it? Uh, I was thinking I had the upstairs bathroom done, and I had, um, I think they're like 12-inch, 15-inch um, um, stone. Okay. I guess that's what they are. Uh, I was thinking of doing the same thing because it's working very well and looks yeah. very nice in the upstairs. Is that what you would recommend? I, I, I really would. And, and since you're going to go back with that, rather than you know using uh, wood, take a look at you. I would use a backer board, a concrete backer board instead. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, because, one, you don't have to worry about it if it gets wet. It's not going to deteriorate. Two, the tile or... In your case, the stone that you're going to put down, it'll adhere to that very well. Okay. And you, and you won't need it as thick. Uh, the, the, board, the board that you have down now is probably three-quarters of an inch thick. Right. And okay. if, you, if you're going back with a different material, your tile floor or, or stone floor is usually going to be about a quarter-inch thick. Mm-hmm. So you could use a half-inch backer board. Put your quarter-inch floor down, and you should still be even with your other floor surfaces. Okay. 
That sounds good. Okay, and um, so I would get, uh, as I said, I'm trying to do this kind of piecemeal to cut costs and and spread the costs out. And if you want to hold the costs down, I would put the same toilet back in unless you're having problems with it. uh, Because, you know, a toilet can wear out, but it's years and years and years down the road. Uh, The the porcelain on them in the bowl can, can wear out. And when that happens, it just doesn't flush as easy as it used to um Mm -hmm. as far as the vanity honestly you could go to one of the box stores pick you up a real cheap vanity right now to put it back together and change it out for a nice one later okay yeah um but now if the vanity is already in place i um i don't know that these things are standardly sized but um i and i don't know with the vanity that's in there i mean it's got a sink that you know, obviously sits down on top of it. Um, if the floor is already in, will I have a problem getting a vanity that's the right size if I don't buy it ahead of time? Probably not. Uh, they're, Probably. They're most, of the, most of the time they're standard sizes. Unless somebody did a custom one for that bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, normally they're going to come in custom, or uh, oh. normally they're going to come in standard sizes. Okay, so I could just go to a big box store, see what those measurements are, and then compare them with what I've got. Exactly. And Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds great. I really appreciate your help, and um, I will go forward with the project. Thanks so much. You bet, Pam. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. We've had a lot of calls on toilets today, so let's, let's back that up. If a toilet goes bad, it's typically not the insert in the tank that goes bad. I mean, those go bad. They're changeable. Twelve bucks, you put a new one in, you're done with that. When a toilet actually goes bad where it's got to be replaced... It's usually the surface, the porcelain surface in the bowl itself will start to get pitted to where when you flush it, the water doesn't flow over that surface as easily as it once did. Now, you you think when you look at it that, oh, everything is fine with it. But realistically, it's it's getting little pits in it, and stuff starts dragging instead of just easily sliding across it. That's when it's time to replace a toilet. Um, sometimes where the water comes through, if you're in a hard water area, you'll start getting a lot of buildup where those the, the holes will start plugging. That's actually able to be cleaned out. Uh, and amazingly enough, like CLR, Lime Away, products like that does wonders to clean out those little ports to allow the water in. But there's really nothing to redo the surface once the bowl goes bad. So if you got an older toilet and you're doing a renovation, you don't necessarily have to replace that toilet. Uh, Quite frankly, a nice clean white porcelain that's 20 years old looks the same as a nice clean white porcelain that you bought yesterday. Hi, Jim. I got multiple cracks on my walls and ceilings a bedroom door that won't shut, and also front and back doors that are hard to close and lock. So to me, it sounds like I have foundation issues. I was wondering if you could recommend somebody that serves the Wise County area. I'm about 45 minutes northwest of Fort Worth. Also, if possible, can you give me a rough ballpark estimate of what this might possibly cost me? Thank you, sir. Enjoy your show. Well, definitely you can call due west. In fact, I'm out working in the Possum Kingdom area right now. We go all over the place. Uh, I'm doing a big retaining wall out there, but foundation repair, that's our bread and butter. We do that every day at Due West. 
plumbing. Again, that's our bread and butter. Do that every day. Uh, but if you've got doors that are sticking like that or the gaps going out of kilter, you've got uh, cracks in the sheetrock. That is indications that you've got movement. Hopefully, you're catching it early enough. If this all just started, you're catching it early enough that it's just maintenance issues rather than full-blown foundation repair. Uh, you know, if it's just maintenance issues, sometimes it's just do-it-yourself stuff. If it is full-blown foundation repair, I can tell you that starts at 2000 and goes from up, goes up from there. The average foundation repair job in Texas runs about $8,000 right now. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of jobs that are done that are in the twenty dollars and $30,000 bracket, which means there's an awful lot of jobs that are done that are only three or 4000 But the average runs $8,000. Uh, you really don't know until you look at it. I'm going to tell you, though, <clears throat> you got to look at it uh, uh, as though, okay, this is the area that's down. This is what needs to be fixed. Uh, some people will say, well, let's just fix everything. Now you're talking fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 if you're wanting to do a full exterior, full interior where you just never have to worry about movement again. The norm is to come in and only fix the areas that have moved because foundation repair is expensive. By fixing the areas that moved, now you stabilize that area and it's no longer pulling on the other areas. And the biggest things that cause foundation problems, leaking sewer pipes and trees where the roots start taking out too much moisture in a given area. If those two items were gone, there'd be far less foundation repair being done. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.